Chapter Six of Stories of North Pole Adventure by Frank Mundell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Knight Errant of the Northern Seas. While Parry was making the splendid discoveries recorded in the previous chapter, his friend, Lieutenant John Franklin, was engaged in an enterprise which has come to be regarded as one of the most extraordinary ever undertaken by man the main objects of this expedition were to determine the latitudes and longitudes of all bays rivers harbours etc on the north coast of america from the mouth of the coppermine river eastwards to place conspicuous marks at places where ships might enter and to deposit information as to the nature of the coast which might be useful to lieutenant parry should he succeed in finding a northwest passage along the american shore accompanied by dr john richardson george back robert hood and a seaman named hepburn franklin embarked at gravesend on the twenty third of may eighteen nineteen and reached york factory hudson bay at the end of august on the ninth of the following month the explorers set out and travelled a distance of eight hundred and fifty seven miles to fort chippewan on lake athabasca which was reached on the eighth of february eighteen twenty in the summer the explorers embarked on lake athabasca in three canoes accompanied by sixteen canadian voyagers passing out at the northwest end of the lake the canoes entered slave river which connects lake athabasca with the great slave lake their progress was rapid and in eleven days they reached fort providence on the other side of the great slave lake then they advanced to winter lake where they arrived on the nineteenth of august here they decided to pass the winter and erected a house to which they gave the name of fort enterprise early in the month of june eighteen twenty one the party quitted the fort most sincerely rejoicing that the long-wished-for day had arrived when they were to proceed towards the final objects of the expedition by the end of the month the coppermine river was reached and in eighteen days franklin and his men launched their frail boats on the waters of the polar sea sailing eastward they discovered and named several islands then the canoes were steered to the north and again to the east in the vain hope of finding a way to the eastern side of the continent storms arose and the canoes were so badly damaged as to make it impossible to proceed farther only a few days provisions remained and sorely against his will franklin was obliged to turn his back on the sea which it had cost him so much to reach yet he had succeeded in tracing the unknown shores of the polar sea a distance of eight hundred and forty miles and navigated waters 
which had never before been sailed on except by eskimos he only abandoned the enterprise when he saw that a farther advance would endanger the lives of the whole party and prevent the knowledge of what had been done from reaching england the return journey was therefore commenced and after a perilous voyage the canoes reached hood river here says franklin terminated our voyage on the arctic sea during which we had gone over six hundred and fifty geographical miles on the first of september the great march inland began what follows is a record of unparalleled hardships endured with heroic patience with each man carrying about ninety pounds of baggage and weakened by long exposure to the rigours of the climate and insufficient food the progress was necessarily slow and they advanced at the rate of about a mile an hour on the fourth of september the last piece of pemmican and a small quantity of arrowroot were served out rain snow and wind added to the misery of the situation for days they lived on a kind of lichen called by the canadians rock tripe bones made brittle by burning pieces of skin and even the remains of their old shoes and whatever scraps of leather they had were utilized to lessen the pangs of hunger which distressed them even more than the cold starvation looked them in the face and back volunteered to go forward and prepare for their arrival at fort enterprise his offer was accepted and accompanied by a few men he set out several days passed and then the men were so thoroughly exhausted that franklin determined to push forward and send assistance leaving dr richardson hood and hepburn in charge of the remainder of the party he set out accompanied by four men cheered with the thought of the comfort that awaited them at fort enterprise the weary and starving little band struggled on walking in garments frozen and stiff and eating their spare pairs of shoes at length they reached the fort but what a different sight met their gaze from that which they expected there was no fire on the hearth no provisions nothing but four bare walls a note left by back told them that he had gone on to the indian encampment soup made of pounded bones and singed hide together with rock tripe was their only food for eighteen days when richardson and hepburn arrived they had a melancholy tale to tell hood had been murdered by an indian whom the doctor afterwards shot in self-defence they brought with them a partridge which hepburn had shot and the sixth part of this was the first morsel of flesh that franklin and his companions had tasted for thirty-one days relief came at last 
back had lost no time in sending food to the fort and to do so he had undergone hardships which nothing but the hope of obtaining help for his friends could have enabled him to endure the difficulties which afterwards beset franklin and his companions were slight in comparison with those through which they had already passed and on the fourteenth of july eighteen twenty two they reached york factory whence they embarked for england thus says franklin ended our long fatiguing and disastrous travels in north america having journeyed by water and by land including our navigation of the polar sea five thousand five hundred and fifty miles undaunted by the disasters and the sufferings which he had experienced franklin determined to make a further exploration of the north american coast he therefore laid before the lords of the admiralty a plan for an expedition overland to the mouth of the mackenzie river and then by sea to the northwestern extremity of america with the combined object also of surveying the coast between the mackenzie and the copper mine rivers his proposals were favourably received and preparations were made to fit out an expedition three boats were specially built at woolwich for the navigation of the polar sea and arrangements were made for a supply of provisions along the proposed route franklin now a captain set sail from liverpool on the sixteenth of february eighteen twenty five accompanied by dr richardson and lieutenant back for some time before the day of sailing franklin's wife had been in weak health and to relieve the monotony of the sick-room she made a small silken union jack her husband wanted to delay his departure but this his wife would not hear of go she said giving him the flag never unfurl it until you plant it on the shores of the polar sea a few days after the expedition sailed she crossed the boundary line of that undiscovered country from whose bourne no traveller returns on their arriving at new york on the fifteenth of march franklin and his companions lost no time in making their way to the canadian lakes and in about six months reached the mouth of the mackenzie river the men pitched their tent on the beach and franklin caused the union jack to be hoisted which his wife had presented to him as a parting gift his feelings overpowered him but only for a moment and suppressing his emotion as best he could he received with becoming cheerfulness the congratulations of his companions on having thus planted the british flag on this remote shore of the polar sea after sailing about for some time they returned to the winter quarters which had been erected at great bear lake during their absence and named fort franklin here they spent christmas day 
the best food they had at command was placed before the men and on the following evening a dance was given the party numbered about sixty persons and included englishmen highlanders canadians and indians as franklin remarks seldom perhaps in such a confined space as our hall was there greater variety of character or greater confusion of tongues but perfect harmony prevailed and no unpleasant incident occurred to mar the joy of the occasion in the early summer of eighteen twenty six the explorers returned to the mouth of the mackenzie river where they separated into two parties the one under franklin exploring to the west and the other under richardson to the east a few days later franklin's party encountered a number of eskimos trade was opened with the natives and for a time all went well but their cupidity at length overcame their friendship and they beset the boats with the evident intention of plundering them for some time the men tried to keep them at bay but as franklin had forbidden the shedding of blood their resistance was not altogether effective and it was not till a volley had been fired over their heads that they retreated many articles had however been stolen and several of the sailors had narrowly escaped severe wounds franklin afterwards made a speech to the eskimos through an interpreter in which he warned them that the first man who came within range would be shot this caution had the desired effect and the explorers were left in peace after this franklin resumed his voyage westward along the shores of the polar sea but his progress was greatly obstructed by drifting ice and fogs he persevered however in face of these difficulties and before the approach of winter compelled him to return he had explored about four hundred miles of a previously unknown coast meanwhile dr richardson had been carrying on his explorations to the eastward and giving names to the more striking bays and headlands of the coast on reaching the coppermine river he disembarked and made his way by land and river to fort franklin on the way he came across the remains of some of the fires that had been made in the former terrible march the journey was accomplished without mishap and on the first of september the fort was reached a few weeks later franklin also arrived safe and well thus ended the second land expedition and the narrative is a pleasing relief to the succession of disasters which attended the former enterprise we do not again meet with sir john franklin in the arctic regions till the year eighteen forty five about that time the most eminent scientific men and explorers of the day 
urged the government to fit out an expedition to make one more attempt at the discovery of the northwest passage six years which sir john franklin had spent as governor of tasmania had increased rather than diminished his enthusiasm for arctic discovery and when on his arrival in england he heard of the proposed enterprise he laid claim to the post of commander as his by right the government only too glad to avail themselves of the services of so experienced an explorer were prepared to accept him at once the first lord of the admiralty kindly suggested however that franklin should rest on his laurels i might find a good excuse for not letting you go sir john said he in the rumour that informs me that you are sixty years of age no no my lord exclaimed franklin i am only fifty-nine this characteristic reply swept away the last and only objection to franklin's appointment two ships of the royal navy the erebus and terror were thoroughly overhauled and fitted out for the voyage a warming and ventilating apparatus of the most improved construction was fitted up in each ship and for the first time in the annals of arctic exploration both were fitted with an auxiliary screw and engine the outfit included warm bedding clothing medicines and an ample store of provisions for three years on the nineteenth of may eighteen forty five the two ships each with sixty-nine officers and men on board set sail from the thames on what proved to be their last voyage on the twelfth of july they reached greenland and a fortnight later they were seen by a whaler moored to an iceberg and waiting for an opportunity to cross over to lancaster sound a message was sent on board the whaler inviting the captain to dinner with sir john franklin next day but the meeting never took place a favourable breeze sprang up and the vessels parted this was the last ever seen of these good ships and of that company of gallant hearts among the most truly noble that ever left the shores of england End of chapter six